celebrating Christmas and the reality of Jesus Christ. Oh, how about you take a breath, take a seat, um, and smile at someone. Hey, thanks, team. Thanks, you guys. Just to let you know, we're starting uh, back again this Tuesday night with our church prayer meeting, so please be aware of that, 7 till 8 o'clock on Tuesday nights. Uh, we're going to start to continue to pray for our nation and pray for the families and situations. Um, obviously, it's the start of the new year, and um, I was just contemplating a, a, a verse I wanted to share with you tonight, and it just comes from Psalm It comes from Psalm 118, verse 15 from the Old Testament. And this is what it says. It's really simple. It says, Hear the shouts, hear the trumpet that triumphs songs in the camp of the saved. The hand of the Lord has turned the tide. It mightn't be great, very significant, but if you think about this simple verse, uh, this is a song, actually. Most of the Psalms are songs, if not poems. And um, and, it was, and and this psalm was written. Um, I don't know the. No one really knows the exact identity of what it was around. But it, it's written in response to some dire situation where the children of God or the, the nation of Israel is in some um, uh, some grave danger or even death, impeding death. And yet we see in the midst of that, uh, you'll notice that what God it says. They sing this song and they say, "The hand of God has turned." The tide. Now that's in the message. That's a pretty amplified version of the Bible. But I love the thought that God turns the tide, and uh, we can all identify with that. We can all relate to that uh, simply because uh, we live in a, a seaside city uh, where the tide comes in and the tide goes out, and it's a metaphor, isn't it? Often for life, if you think about it. Um, and when we say turn the tide, what we mean is, is that something has been turned around for good. It looked pretty bad, but actually it's turned around for good. Something that seemed nearly impossible has actually been made possible. And uh, the tide has turned. And uh, in this particular song that the psalmist writes, uh, in this paraphrased version, he says, the hand of God has turned the tide. I wonder tonight if there is something in 2018 as we launch off into this year that you would say, I'd love the tide to turn on that circumstance. I love for that to be changed. I love for that to be turned around. I love something, this different thing to happen. And so, in the light of that thought, I wanted to contemplate um, the actual the nation. I wanted to use the story of the nation of Israel coming out of slavery in Egypt. And I'll kind of just communicate that story as we go along. Uh, but it's a great story. And it's also a great illustration, an example of maybe our lives. In the, in the processes we go through and just seeing that tide turned, seeing the circumstances turned around, seeing the situation changed. And what we can do uh, in, in uh, promoting God to help us to see that happen. Um, if you're aware of the story, uh, the, Egyptian, uh, the Egypt, Egyptian nation had taken Israel. Israel lived in Egypt at that time and this great nation grew within Egypt, and uh, they were placed in slavery to build Egypt's uh, monuments and buildings and uh, to make bricks. And so, as, but uh, Israel, uh, you know, was favored by God, and they grew in number to over a million people. And finally, uh, we find, of course, what happened is, is that uh, they had enough of this slavery, and they cried out to God, and God heard their cry, 
And through a deliverer called Moses, this is the short version of the story, he goes in and he brings them out of slavery, out of Egypt. And, of course, they come through the whole scene of the Red Sea parting and wander the desert for 40 years. And finally, after all that time, they come in to a place called the Promised Land. And uh, God brings them in. And then uh, and the story unfolds. But prior to that, of course, the way that they ended up in Egypt, of course, was uh, through a young man called Joseph, um, who, of course, was uh, originally uh, in a prison in Egypt, finally got promoted to second in command of all of Egypt under Pharaoh himself and uh, said, I want to bring my family in here. And he brought Jacob, his dad, and all his brothers and all his siblings and all the families came. And that's how Israel started. Jacob's name was another name for it. Jacob was Israel. And the nation started to grow within the walls of Egypt or in the confinement of that land. And then, of course, uh, they were eventually brought into slavery in that land. So we see how it unfolds. But let me just talk about the realities of how can the tide turn in our life? How can we see the tide turn this year? How can we see that situation turned around? Uh, and let's look at this story. And I want to just bring your attention, first of all, because um, through the whole book of Exodus... If you didn't know what the book of Exodus, there's two books, uh, there's a whole bunch of books in the Old Testament. And the first, second book, Genesis, and then there's Exodus. And Exodus literally means exit, because it's the children of Israel coming out of slavery. Another, another word for it is the way out. Uh, and I like that, because it's exactly what some of us are thinking, I want a way out of this. Uh, I just need to see this. I need to see the light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. I just need a way out. We need to move forward on this. And I believe that God wants the same. If it's a good thing, he wants it as well. So in Exodus chapter 2, let me draw your attention to a few verses to start here uh, of my first thought. Exodus chapter 2, 23 to 25. And this is what it said. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage they were in. And they cried out and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. Remember, they're in slavery. Uh, so God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant or his promise with Abraham, Isaac and with Jacob. Remember, they were the forefathers of the nation of Israel. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. You know, the first thing, if we're going to see anything turn, we need to, we need to turn something in our hearts. We need to turn our hearts towards heaven. Every day. Um, if, if you look at this nation of Israel, finally after 400 years, finally they got the message because they'd kind of neglected God for a long time. And that's the very reason they were probably in, in well, not probably, but they were in slavery. Is, is It's not like God put them into slavery. Sometimes we interpret our pain and heartache as because God's done something to us. God's done nothing to you. We often choose our own path. And we place ourselves in circumstances that are not good. And thus, it's not like God walks away from us. It's just that we walk away from God. He's always there. It's just that we need to turn back to him. And that's what the children of Israel do. After 400 years of slavery, it, they got it through their brains that they needed to God. And they cry out to him. And you know what? It's interesting. God acknowledged them straight away. He didn't say, oh, you've left me alone for 400 years. I'll leave you alone for 400 years. No, he, his grace and mercy embraced them again. What a great God. And if we're ever going to see the tide turn in our life, you've got to turn your heart towards him, Heavenly Father. We need to know who our, our, our father is. We've got an earthly dad. Praise God for that. We've got an earthly mother, but we need to know who our heavenly father is. I always remember at the age of nine, 
I was sitting at the front of, on the footpath of my home in Gympie where I lived. I was with my next door neighbor. He was my age. His name was Michael. He was a bit cheekier than me. Um, I can say that now because, you know, I don't know where he is and he's not listening. But um, anyway, we were sitting there on the front lawn of my house and he had one of these kind of like these Nerf guns. It, it, was a kind of, it wasn't exactly that, but it was similar. You know, this is a fair while ago, so Nerf guns weren't out there and it had this foam dart. You kind of got the picture. And we're just sitting there innocently having a chat. And I didn't know what he was about to do. Uh, but he pulled the trigger as a car went past. And the foam dart shot out and hit the windscreen. And my first thought was, that was a brilliant shot. My second thought was, I'm in trouble. Because 30 meters down the road, the brake lights came on and this guy started to reverse his car. Two of us run inside our fence and hid behind a big a hibiscus tree. It was a big plant. And I hadn't done a thing wrong, but I felt somehow responsible. And, and this guy starts to walk up the front, uh, up the driveway of our house, this long driveway. And I thought, I'm in trouble. But I really knew I was in trouble because my dad just happened to be walking down the driveway at the same time, just not knowing why this guy was walking towards him. He didn't know anything. I didn't get a chance to tell my dad. My dad walks up to this guy. Good day, mate. They're having a chat, and you know the conversation unfolded. And you know I didn't hear every word that was said, but you know my dad took the rap for us. And. Uh, not only take the rap, and I thought, I am really in deep trouble now. And, you know, um, this guy, thankfully, uh, whatever was said, he walked back down the drive, hopped in his car and drove away. And I thought, wow, that went well, but maybe not so well for me now. My dad walked up to us, and we kind of hopped out from behind the hibiscus tree. And he looked at us, and he says, don't do it again. And he walked away. I thought, <laughs> I got out of that easy. I didn't even have time to explain to him that I had nothing to do with it. It was just my mate. And I didn't really want to dob him in. But you know what? That day I was glad I had a dad. <laughs> that, glad, that day I was glad that he took the rap. That was a day that I'm just thankful that I had a dad because I, I was, you know, I just didn't want to face that man. Uh, even though I know I had not been, well, I hadn't done, I hadn't pulled the trigger, but... You know, I'm just glad. And you know, there's times when we need a heavenly father, folks. And, it's, and why, not, why not just seek him in all of life and not just in the bad times? Why not just realize he's a dad for all seasons and not just the bad times? He's a, he's a dad for the good seasons as well as the bad. And often, sometimes we just seek him when we really need him. When we feel a bit in bondage or enslaved. And, and God says, hey, I'm always here. And I'm just glad that my dad was there that day. There's another interesting story around Moses because Moses was the one who went into Egypt and told Pharaoh, let the children of Israel go. And there's a verse in Hebrews 11:24 that just says this. Another example of a man who knew that he was, had greater purpose and that he's heaven, about his heavenly father. And he says, and by faith, Moses... Um, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Let's just get the picture for a moment. Let's set the scene. Remember, Moses was uh, um, brought up by Pharaoh's daughter through a set of circumstances uh, that uh, happened in, in Egypt. And, and uh, of course, uh, as he grew up, he came to understand that he was a Hebrew. He was a Jewish man and not, a, not an Egyptian man. 
And he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. He refused to be uh, something he wasn't. He identified himself with the nation of Israel, with the Jewish people who are in slavery. And um, he said, I'm not going to be um, named the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I refuse to be called that. And you know, sometimes uh, we've got to make a decision to, be, to refuse to be called the son of heartache or the daughter of fear or the daughter of problems or the son of issues and the son of struggles or whatever the world wants to put on you. You've got to refuse to say, hey, you know, that, that is not my identity in life. That's not where I'm headed in life. That's not my future. I'm not the son and daughter of fear. I'm not the son and daughter of always having a problem, always, uh, always a problem or this problem or that problem. And we need to see that, uh, you know, we need to look up because Moses knew that he was not a child of, Is- of, of Egypt. He was a child of Israel. And he says, that's my true heavenly father. It's not Pharaoh or, or my, uh, that my mother really isn't um, Pharaoh's daughter. It's my heavenly father who I, uh, you know, uh, eventually and, and purposely need to put first in my life. And Moses, by faith, done that. And, of course, he led the children of Israel out of uh, out of uh, e- uh, Egypt. And it's interesting because in this verse in Exodus 2.25, it just says, God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. And that's exactly, as I said before, God acknowledges you when we turn our eyes towards him. Turn our eyes. So we're gonna turn, if we're going to turn the tide, you've got to look where your eyes are looking. You've got to kind of refocus. You've got to give attention. Where am I really focusing my heart? Here's the second thing I love about just we need to, if we're going to turn the tide, um, I want to go to Exodus 12 now. We go kind of 10 chapters into the story. Um, and it says, Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they, they had asked, and they had asked from the Egyptians article of silvers, article of silver, articles of silver, and articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. What's this verse all about? When eventually Pharaoh finally said, well, the children of Israel can leave Egypt. Get them out of here. I don't want them anymore. You know there's a series of plagues. And and, uh, finally Pharaoh had had enough, and the Egyptian people had had enough, and said, go. Um, God said to Moses, tell the people to ask their neighbors for gold and silver and clothing as they leave. And it's exactly what the... The children of Israel did, and it's exactly what the Egyptians gave them. They left. They asked for what had been stolen from them over the generations. And my second thought is, turn and ask for what has been stolen out of your life. You need to ask that which has been taken from you, the, the goodness and the things of God that have been taken out of your life. You know, um, why not ask for our children back? Why not ask? Uh, for those loved ones that we care for? Why not ask for our, sometimes it may be a marriage partner or a relationship, whatever it may be. Why not ask for those? Why not stand up and continue? I want to remind you in 2018, I think it's a year of asking God to return that. Jeff talked this morning about the locust eating that which has been taken from us. And, you know, I think the enemy has only got one desire for you, and that is to destroy your life and steal from you what's important. And it's not just your material possessions or your life and the things that you own. It's what's in here that's so important. He wants to steal that. And and so often I find that so often he wants to, uh, we need to ask that passionately, get passionate enough, say, God, I'm going to believe for that which has been taken from us, which is good, which you always intended for me to have. And it may be joy and peace. It may be a loved one. It may be a friend. 
It may be a relationship restored. It may be a, whatever it may be, but God wants us to ask. You know, um, sometimes we just fail. We think good things, we are, but we never ask God. We fail to do that. And if there's one thing I've noticed about the children of Israel, one of the things that was really stolen, not just the items of clothing and gold and silver, but it was their identity. Just think of this for a moment, because they came from the original family of Jewish family came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were a wealthy family. They were a, a, a godly family. And now they, they were brought in and they, they descended into slavery and they forgot about God. But they came from an incredibly rich heritage. And what had really been stolen from them is a lot of the generations after that had, had grown up in Egypt just thought, they were slaves. That was their identity. We've got no future, no hope. We've been born into slavery. We'll live all our lives in slavery. There was a lot who, who were born into slavery and died in slavery in Egypt. But there was the generation needed, that was coming out of Egypt needed to realize their forefathers were, were a, a rich heritage of blessing on their lives. And they weren't slaves. And I want to tell you, God, you've never been a slave. Never, don't, you know, sin enslaves us. God in repentance brings us into blessing. And, and so we see that their identity, if anything, had been ravaged and stolen from them, who they really were in God. Our identity is so important. It's, is it in Him or is it in things or is it in our ego or is it in our pride? Is our identity in, in, in a whole bunch of other stuff that really does it, is really temporary because it needs to be in Him we live and move and have our being, Acts 17. But um, I always remember on several occasions about five years ago for two or three years, um, I was questioned by police on at least three occasions. And, and some of you know the story, but the reason I was questioned is because uh, my name was James Hewitt, and there was another man who was a little bit younger than me who lived in this city whose name was also James Hewitt, and he had a police record. And often the police would confuse me with him um, to the point where one day two plainclothes detectives turned here up on the office door and knocked on the door and came into my office and questioned me about a murder. It didn't take long for them to realize that they had the wrong James Hewitt. The truth is it was just a mistaken identity. And you know what? The devil just doesn't mistake in your identity. He knows who you are. He wants to destroy your identity and steal it. The police were innocent. You know, in the end, it was quite a laugh. There's no laughing matter with the devil. He knows exactly what he wants to do. He wants to destroy your identity through sin, <laughs> involving ourselves in stuff that just wants to be destructive upon our life. Take you down a road that God doesn't want that. God never intended that for you. He intended blessing and a hope and a future. Stop cursing a blessing. But the enemy is out to kill and to steal and destroy. He hasn't changed his game plan. It's always been the same thing. And I want to tell you, folks, you've got to work against that. You've got to work against that. And you know what? We need to ask continually of God for that which has been stolen. Get a passion for that which is true. Here's the third thing this morning. I want to turn. We'll go another chapter into Exodus. We're going from Exodus chapter 2 to Exodus chapter 12, now to Exodus chapter 13, verse 5. Here's the third thing. And it says, It shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. So they're all the foreign kind of, they're going to go into that place and they had to kind of conquer all these different nations as they went into the promised land. Which he swore to your fathers. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. 
to give you a land. Here we go, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And you shall, you shall keep um, this, uh, this service in this month. And um, so we see the promise is, what do we need to turn? Not only do we, uh, do we need to turn our eyes towards heaven and we need to turn and ask for that which was stolen. We need to turn to God's promises for your future. Because God promised the nation of Israel a land flowing with milk and honey. Do you realize that they walked in the desert for 40 years and it was everything but a land flowing with milk and honey? God gives them a visual picture. You know, if you've got milk, that means you've got cows and you've got goats and you've got green pastures, not desert. If you've got honey, that means you've got bees and you've got flowers, not clay and sand. Would you agree? It's a completely different promise that God's got for you. And I want to tell you, if you feel like you're walking through the, uh, uh, through the desert of destruction, the desert of discouragement, God's got a better place, a, ma- a land flowing with milk and honey, something that's uh, rich and nutritious and a blessing and uh, abundance. And if there's anything we've got to turn to, we've got to turn to God's promises for your future. That's what God promised you. You know, every one of us here, God promises that. But it's us that have got to seek it out and attain it and take a hold of it and and grab for it. Um, And, you know, the truth is the children of Israel had been used to eating um, quail, which are little birds that used to fly down in the evening. And they were used to this kind of this manna. It was like a flaky bread that would settle on the ground with the Jew in the morning and they'd come and pick it up. They They had a recipe book for 101 ways how to cook that stuff. They were sick of it. Manor and quail, manor and quail. You have that for 40 years, how excited you feel after 40 years eating the same thing. Um, finally, God says, you know what? There's going to be milk and there's going to be honey. That's the promise. Can you see that, you know, if you've been eating the same stuff and you're sick of the same, if you're getting tired of the same things, why don't you get sick and tired of being sick and tired? And uh, start to realize that God's got a promise for you. A promise that you need to, down t- to, to tap into, download, and take a hold of and put it in your heart. Uh, you need to turn to the promises of God. And, and, and if you're wondering what promises would be good for me, I don't know. Have a look in God's Word and see. You know, if, if you can't sleep at night, why don't I take this one, Psalm 3.5. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. If you've got concerns and worries, why don't you take a hold of that promise? Say, God, through this night, you're going to sustain me. I'm going to have peaceful sleep. Um, you could, if you're worried, you could say, you know, um, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. What a great promise. God promises a sound mind. He promises a good night's sleep. I think that's a good promise. Why not take a hold of it and say, God, that's mine. Start to take a hold of it and believe it. You know, if, if you're tempted to engage in destructive behavior, why don't you take James 4, 7? I do. I think it's a great verse. And I take the promise of it. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil. And you know what? The devil's got to flee and I'm going to be free to follow my God. What a great promise. Take the promises of God. As for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. There's one we could believe. You know, you got to download it. You know, you can just let it sit on the shelf just like your Bible and let it gather dust or you can take the promises off the shelf and apply them in your heart and say, that's for me this year. Amen. We're going to turn, we're going to turn our hearts towards uh, the promises for our future. Here's the last fourth thing. We've gone from Exodus 2, Exodus 12, Exodus 13. We'll go to Exodus 14 now. Is that cool? The last bit, Exodus 14, 1 to 3. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses, the fourth thing. Moses saying this, speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp. Now, they've already come out of Israel. 
I'm sorry, out of Egypt. Now they're fleeing from the Egyptians. The Egyptians have sent their army of chariots and, and horses after them. And they've come up against the Red Sea, okay? And, and this is what happens. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Harath, uh, between Migdong and the sea, opposite Baal Zephron, you shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land and the wilderness has closed them in. A couple of things, what do we need to turn to? This is a place of faith. When you are hemmed in and got no direction, no understanding of where your next step is going to take, that's a place of faith, isn't it? That's what the children of Israel, they had, they had the, they were basically housed in. They had the Red Sea in front of them. They had the Pharaoh's army bearing down on them behind them. They couldn't go left or right. I'm not quite sure of the landscape, but obviously they were in, in these places, certain places, and they had no way out, and they started to panic. Thankfully, Moses didn't, and they, Moses turned to a place of faith, and I want to say that you've got to turn to a place of faith sometimes, because, you know, of all the most practical, God is an incredibly practical God, but there's sometimes um, what you feel and what you see is not enough. You've got to have faith. You've got to have faith to trust Him in the circumstance. And the children of Israel certainly did have to have that in this circumstance. Um, uh, and they camped on the edge of the sea there for eight days in Egypt. And the truth is, is that I, it's interesting because in this passage, God actually tells Moses for, to where the children of Israel should be located. And it seems like God locates them in a place that's impossible. There's no way out. There's no way up. There's no way through. It's impossible. It seems like God put them there. And I wonder sometimes that, you know, God may bring us to a place where we come to the end of ourselves and we have to trust Him. The Red Sea in front, the enemy behind, we, we just come to the end of ourselves. It's not like God's going to do us any harm. He's got an incredible plan. It's just that we have to trust Him. We have to let faith turn, to, turn and have faith in our hearts. And it's interesting, isn't it, that God wanted to, God wanted to not just get the children of Israel, you've heard this before, take the children of Israel out of Egypt, but he wanted Egypt out of the children of Israel. God just doesn't want to take you out of sin. He wants sin out of your life. He just doesn't want to take destructive things us away from them. He wants to take it out of our life altogether. And, and, uh, and so what we see is uh, uh, God wants to totally destroy the Egyptians and, you know, uh, God says to Moses, just put your staff in the water. He hits, puts his staff in the water. This amazing miracle happens where the sea just parts. And the children of Israel walk on through. They get to the other side. And Moses, you know, stamps his, um, his staff down again. And the children of Israel, I'm sorry, the Red Sea closes in on the whole Pharaoh's army that are crossing through on that dry land. And they're destroyed. And... What a picture of what God wants to do, but it's a turning to faith for that to happen. The interesting thing I love about Moses is the word Moses, his name means um, out of the waters. Do you know why his name means that? A lot of you would have guessed already is because as a little baby, he was placed in a, in a, a little basket that was lined with tar so the water wouldn't seep in. And he was pushed out on the Nile because his mother wanted to just see him not he wanted to see him saved because at that time Egypt was killing all baby boys under the age of two and so his mother pushed him out to try and see if he could someone would find him and pick him up and look after him and and so they called him Moses because he was drawn out of the water didn't you see how God was preparing Moses in a sense for this very moment when he would not just be drawn out of the water he'd go through the water 
And, uh, and, and I think that God sometimes in your past has prepared you for the moments that you're facing your future. And you, you've had some elements in the past where you've had faith. And God's saying, again, I want you just to draw upon that faith, trusting in me. So um, the tide always turns. Can I just tell you that the tide always turns? I'm talking practically. The tide always comes in and it always goes out. It's happened for thousands and thousands of years. It'll never be any different as long as the moon is where it is orbiting the, the earth and having that gravitational pull upon the seas. It'll always be a bulge of the water this way and then a bulge of the water that way on the earth and there'll be tides, and there'll be high tides and low tides. That'll, that's a given in life. Isn't that amazing? You know what? It'll, if, if that ever changes, we're in a lot of trouble because that means the sun and the moon, are, we're displaced, and, I mean, we're not going to last much longer if there's no tide coming in and out, if you think of the ramifications of it. I want to tell you, as much as you can trust that, you can even more trust that our Father is faithful. Our Father is faithful, that if you come to Him, the tide will turn. It mightn't turn in the time frame that you think sometimes, or it mightn't change in the time frame that you want. Oh, I wish God you'd do it tomorrow. No, no, there's sometimes a process because he wants to, you got yourself into this mess. He wants to slowly bring you out of it or bring you through it. And it just takes a process. And in that process, he doesn't want to spoil you. He wants to build character. He wants to see a lasting relationship with himself and not something that's just fleeting. Because, you know, if, 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 if your parents gave you lollies every time you screamed for them, man, that, that's called spoiled, isn't it? God doesn't do that. He wants to slowly release the blessing and draw you and, 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 and bring you into that so that you may have a hope and a future that will last. Amen. And as long as the tide comes in, next, next time you go to Tenham Sands or Barney Point Beach and watch the tide come in and go out, remember there's a faithful God who allows that and he's even better than that. He is faithful all the time. Give the musos come up. You know what? I enjoyed that so much. I think I'll write that down and preach it sometime. Because <laughs> I haven't got some of that stuff right there, but it's good. I'm preaching to myself tonight because I understand you know, the realities of my misgivings and where I need in 2018, I need to trust him and hope in him and say, Father, where I blow it and think, oh, again. Can we stand together? In a moment, we're just going to worship. Or we'll close soon. I just want you to contemplate. You know, tonight, if you if there's a if there's a if you sense there's just a simple need to say, God, I just come again at the start of this year. And Father, I just need to let you be the priority. I, 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 need, I need to turn. I need to let you turn the tide, and I need to turn to you. I need to turn my eyes heavenward. I need to turn in faith. I need to turn to your promises. If that you know that God's speaking to your heart tonight and saying, yeah. I just want you to lift your hands to him and I just want to pray for you tonight where you are. I'm not trying to curse you. I'm not trying to do anything. I just want us to be sincere with God. We don't have to put up any fronts or say, you know, you know, no one's here to watch us. We just we just need to be real with God for a moment and say yes. Yes to him.
yes to him in this year. We're seven days into this year already. And before we know, we'll be 14 days next Sunday into it. And, 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 and New Year, it's, it's, it's kind of, we're into it. And I, I, I just want to take this moment, just for a few moments. And, and we're saying yes to God. We're saying yes to God. And behind your hand is just your heart saying, God, I need, I want to, I don't want to be spiritually bankrupt. I want to be spiritually rich in you. I want to acknowledge that I'm poor in spirit. I want to have all that you've got for me. I want to acknowledge that I need you. And that, God, I ask that you'd come into my life and you'd help me and help me to walk with you. So you raise your hand. I just want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, we all stand before you. And we know that we don't make the grade. (laughs) I don't make the grade. None of us do. But I'm thankful that you brought Jesus so that he could die for my sins and take away my sin when I repent and help me to live for you. And in that way, I do make the grade in your eyes, God, because Jesus done it all for me. And I thank you for that. But tonight, we raise our hands because we realize we're in need of you in 2018. That, Lord, that you remind us to turn our face towards you, Father. Keep our eyes on you to keep take a hold of your promises and to live by those promises. Uh, Father, to turn in faith towards you, to turn, Father, away from that which is discouragement or disaster or destructive and to turn to your truth. Father, and I thank you for every person here because we all stand at equal level ground. We're all the same before you. It, the truth is not one of us has done something worse than the other in the sense, all sin is sin. And God, you want us to, to uh, Father, just equally just come before you. And I thank you for your mercy and grace. You love the heart that just responds to you humbly. And tonight we do that. And I ask that you would strengthen each of us with our hands erased. Uh, Father, strengthen us to walk in truth. Strengthen us to walk for you and with you this year, we pray. And so we commit ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. And all agreed said? Amen. Come on, let's just sing this song. And just for this moment, just solidify that in your heart, prayer in your heart, and say yes as we worship Him just for a moment.